Wake up, West Georgia. It's time for the podcast powered by Coffee and Mountain Dew. The Morning Five with Bryce Sparling and Billy Lindahl. Good morning, West Georgia. Welcome in to another edition of the Morning Five podcast. Today is Monday, August 8th. And as always, today's podcast is sponsored by the Parian Lawyers. Nobody wakes up thinking, man, I hope I hire a lawyer today. But hey, Life happens. Don't call one of those big law firms with overused slogans and thousands of billboards. We have a top-notch law firm right here in West Georgia. The Parian Lawyers with offices in Carrollton and Bremen. Personal injury, workman's comp, and everything in between. Find them at callcadenow.com. That's C-A-L-L-C-A-D-E-N-O-W.com. Local lawyers, catchy slogans, a few billboards, big results. Billy, today is National Frozen Custard Day. Hard pass. I don't think I've ever had frozen custard. I'm not even a thousand percent sure what frozen custard is. <laughs> Honestly, to be completely honest with you, I don't know if I even know what frozen custard is. Is that that seems like like an English like uh, treat, right? Uh, I don't think custard is English, but. I mean, we'll go with it. It's the cold, it's the cold dessert similar to ice cream. Yeah, I'm I'm not a big fan. So, uh, let's see. It's made with eggs in addition to cream and sugar. It's usually kept at a warm temperature compared to ice cream, and typically has a denser consistency. I can't say I've ever had custard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna say hard pass. I think that's like a Wisconsin deal, isn't it? Like Wisconsin, Missouri, like Kansas out there. I think that's where custard's big. All, all those Yankee. Yeah, uh, all those Yankee right. states. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big fan of ice cream, so I'm pretty sure I would not like custard. I'm going to I'm gonna have to have a uh, pass as well today. Not a big fan of that. Yeah, but, it's, it's, it's bad for me. Billy, also what I am not a big fan of is what the Braves did over the weekend, man. Uh, not a Not a great weekend for the Braves. We had a five-game set with the Mets, and we dropped four out of those five. And we are now two and five in the month of August. Now, it's only the eighth day of August, so take that with a grain of salt. Uh, and we are on a three-game losing streak, but all three of those were to the division-leading Mets. So it, it, it sounds bad, but I, I, think the Met, I'm, I think I'm pretty confident right now in saying the Mets are a better baseball team than the Braves are right now. Yes, absolutely they are, and uh, they they got better with Degrom coming back, and, and that that hurts my soul saying that. Um, and this is our first game, three game losing, the first three game losing streak of the year for the Braves. So, the, and it took till August seventh uh, for it to happen. So. I'll take that number, but at the same time, it still hurts the fact that what happened this weekend. Uh, you know, when you lose the first game on Thursday and then win on Friday, you feel pretty decent. And you're like, okay, we've split 50-50. Saturday was just a complete and total embarrassment. And Pete Alonzo has started to become one of the biggest brave killers of all time. Uh, every single game, I swear, that was the first thing out of my first uh, notification was Pete Alonzo hits an RBI. <laughs> Pete Alonzo with another RBI. And I'm like, dear Lord, man, like, can some can we just stop pitching to him and start pitching around him? Because he clearly is not is doing 
good things and we don't need him to be he's turned into the anti-chipper i guess you yes. could say the yes the the chipper doppelganger uh, chipper killed the mets and now pete alonzo is killing the braves uh and one note before we get into the five games that we had with the mets the braves are sending struggling right-handed pitcher ian anderson down to the minors yeah, and brought brought up Waskar Inoa and uh, another catcher, and that was just kind of an interesting thought there for a second. But it is with this. Yeah, I think it's good. Ian Anderson, I believe, has a lot of tools to be a successful pitcher. He's not pitching too great at the moment, uh, very hit or miss. And Inoa, before he broke his hand, you know, was a great pitcher last season. He was he was our best pitcher on the staff. So maybe we can catch lightning in the bottle there again with uh, Oscar. So uh, to start off the weekend, Braves fall 6-4 to four to the Mets. Acuna with two RBIs. Kyle Wright, six innings pitched, six earned runs, and four Ks. Our starters outside of Freed this weekend did not do good. Uh, they got shelled by the Mets. Yeah, it, it did not look good for the for the starters. And that's, that's something that you – I don't want to say you kind of expect, but every once in a while you're going to have games like these. Um, and that's that's kind of just what happened. And that's – I mean, there's nothing really more that you could do about it. And that's what sucks about this. This whole thing is the fact that, you know, it, it just happened to happen against the worst team that we could we can let it happen to. Uh, Braves win game two, nine to six. Rosario has four RBIs. Swanson, Olsen, Riley, Contreras, and Harris all have an RBI. Ian Anderson goes four and two thirds, four and runs and three Ks. The Braves, I believe, jumped out to an 8 nothing lead there and tried to give that away late. Uh, yeah. But luckily, we did hang on for that, for that game to win. Then uh, the next three games, Braves fall 8-5. to Olsen with two RBIs. Acuna, Grossman, and Contreras with one RBI. Odorizzi, the new pitcher we uh, required in the trade deadline, goes four and two-thirds. Gives up two earned runs and four Ks. Braves fall again, 6-2. Acuna and Contreras with an RBI. Freed, really the only good starting pitching performance of the entire Mets uh, series for the Braves. Freed goes six innings, gives up two earned runs, and strikes out five. And then the Braves fall on Sunday five to two. Swanson with two RBIs. Strider only goes two and two-thirds, giving up four earned runs and striking out five. Not a great weekend, man. I do like to see Acuna getting those RBIs, though. I believe he had four RBIs on the weekend, which is nice to say. We've, we've kind of been harping on Acuna, and I'm going to continue harping on him because as soon as i did it seemed like he turned it on uh so i am a big big fan of superstition um but acuna showing that st he still has pop and he's still figuring stuff out is nice to see despite us dropping four or five to the mets and i can't remember what day it was or what game it was but he went four for five um in one of those games which that is exactly what i want to see from acuna especially from the leadoff position you need to see him I don't care if he doesn't get any RBIs. Just, just get on base. Yeah. Get on base, yeah. let the guys behind you hit behind you, and let's go. And going four for five is exactly what you expect and what you want to see from Ronald Acuna. Uh, we're now six and a half back of the Mets, seven in the loss column. Not a great weekend, but we still are leading the wild card. So that is a positive. Um, if we were in either one of the, the divisions, we would be second in the West. And we would be leading the other division if we were in it. So we are still leading the wild card. We do still have that. But the division lead, uh, it's it's gone out the window for now. Yeah, I think we're, what, fourth overall in Major League Baseball right now? Or, I mean, in the National League with record? Somewhere around there? 
in the National League? I th yeah. thought we were higher than that. Give me two seconds and I can tell you. I thought we were second. We are second in the National League. We have the second best record? Uh, third best. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. I, okay. <laughs> I'm i staring at the Mets and I'm counting out the Mets. We have the third best record. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Third best, yeah. Uh, Dodgers are first, Mets are second, and we are third. We have a better record than the Padres and the division leading St. Louis Cardinals. Okay. Yep. So we still have the wild card. We still are going to make it to the playoffs, and it's, we still got a long way to go until the season's over. But uh, something does need to change. That was a that was a weekend where we could have made up some ground, and unfortunately didn't. Uh, unlike the Braves, though. Today? Do what? Who do we start with today? My mind just went blank on on. Who uh, Braves are off today. Braves are off today. Okay. Yeah, I believe we have a uh, set with the Phils coming up. I could be wrong, but I think it. No, I'm excuse me. Sox. We have a two game set with the Sox in the ninth and the tenth, but we are off today. Are we at home or are we at away? No, we're away. We're we're in uh, we're in Boston. Boston. We're in Boston. I gotta give I, uh, all my I gotta give all my coworkers a hard time. I hope we go up there and beat them both games. Yeah, I gotta give the Boston a hard time. <laughs> uh, so unlike the Braves this weekend, Billy, the Atlanta United, hey, they gotta win this weekend against the Seattle Sounders at what? home. Yeah, baby, two to one, two to one. Uh, a great game. Gonzalo Pineda fielded a very similar starting lineup to the team that lost to Chicago last week, but there was one significant difference. Uh, fielding Luis Arujo and Ronaldo Cisneros on their natural sides. This switch contributed to the opening goal where Caleb Wiley played Arujo in behind where he was able to get into a dangerous crossing position. Uh, Cisneros and Arujo playing on their natural side was absolutely fantastic. It, it made them look like they were playing at home. And I guess I didn't realize how uncomfortable they looked playing in a role that was not kind of their main role. Uh, great decision by Gonzalo Pineda there. The decision to place Arujo strictly on the left side with Caleb Wiley worked wonders. Arujo was able to provide some guidance for that young left back, and they played really well off of one another, one another, something that I hope continues on throughout the season. It's notable that Seattle scored the equalizer just minutes after Franco Ibarra entered the game, supposedly a move that was supposed to solidify the midfield. And it wasn't happenstance that the young Argentine turned the ball over in the middle of the field that led right to the goal. He hustled back and tried to deny the cross near the penalty spot, but was unable to do so. As soon as Franco Ibarra came in, they scored, which I thought was a little funny. I'm not a huge Ibarra fan. Uh, but so it was 1-1 at that point. Andrew Gutman comes in in the 81st minute and was the savior of the day and the man of the match. Atlanta left it until the 11th hour to score the winning goal, and it was Gutman with just an absolute missile from 25 yards outside of the or from 25 yards from goal shot it right past Seattle's goalkeeper in the 84th minute uh, almost the last minute of stoppage time to give Atlanta a 2-1 win Atlanta United is now only two points out of the playoffs and I believe six or seven points away from hosting a home playoff game with 11 matches I think left in the season uh, so it's, but, but this has kind of been the duality of Atlanta United. I feel like we'll have one weekend like last weekend where we play terrible and the sky is falling. And then we come out this weekend, we show hustle, we show pace, we show talent, we come away with a win and everybody's hopes get up again. So, uh, we got to see them string back to back performances together. Like they did this weekend. Can we start to call Andrew Gutman, Andrew Goatman? I, I, I am not opposed to that because as soon as he came back and as soon as he came into this game 
something changed, man. Uh, I am a massive fan of Gutman. I said before, before he got injured, he was sort of the little engine that could. He was what made this team run. And ever since he's been out, I can say the effort has not been there. So hopefully with Gutman back in the lineup, back healthy, uh, that changes. Yeah, that's that's awesome to see the, the fact that he, he immediately interjects energy into the team when he comes in in the, in the 81st minute. So I'm, I'm happy to see that. I'm happy to see that, that the Atlanta United got three points this weekend. I was able to at least watch the very end of it, which was good to see too. So <laughs> that, that was the best part to watch. I know. Man. <laughs> Billy ESPN came out with a uh, an article this this weekend of the top fifty greatest true freshmen of all time in college football. Oh, dear and Lord. I'm going to run this down, and you let me know if you have any issue with any of these, or if you see anybody that's missing. Uh, so we're just going to run down the top five, and then give you a couple of notable dogs that were also on the list. Uh, Hugh Green from Pitt, defensive end Hugh Green from Pitt, 1997, was elected the number one true freshman of all time. Herschel Walker from Georgia, 1980. Orlando Pace from Ohio State, 1994. Trevor Lawrence from Clemson, 2018. And Ron Dane from Wisconsin in 1996. That was your top five. Okay. Also making the top 50 for your dog, Randall Godfrey, uh, in 1992, and Todd Gurley in 2012. Okay, so maybe I'm just an idiot, and maybe I am. And well, there's no maybe. Um, I was about to say we're both idiots. <laughs> uh, the fact I've never heard of Hugh Green before in my life. Same. I'm sorry. And 100 same. Number one just kind of baffles me. Um, Herschel's freshman season was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. He deserves. Should have won the Heisman. Yes, absolutely. And and that's. <laughs> That's coming from a non-dog fan. So, I mean, uh, that's just weird. I, I've never heard of Hugh Green before in my life, and he ends up being the number one. Okay, yeah, whatever. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know who Hugh yeah. Green is. I've never heard of that guy. Yeah. Maybe we're too young. Uh, the only ones that I could say inside the top five, uh, not inside the top five, that kind of surprised me. Adrian Peterson from Oklahoma. He was nine, uh, but AP's freshman season was absolutely phenomenal uh and maybe maybe this is my ohio state bias so take this take this opinion with a grain of salt but the fact that maurice claret was not up there i mean claret was 38 on this list for the greatest true freshman seasons of all time claret probably could have won the heisman if he didn't get hurt later in the season his freshman year i mean he was a he's the only reason ohio state won in 2002 yeah he did he's 38th man uh, like that's, I that's that's dumb. That is just we could probably pick in my apart. Opinion. We could probably pick apart this entire list if we really wanted to, but you know. <laughs> uh, uh, and Todd Gurley at forty-five, man. I remember Todd Gurley's freshman year. I, I would yeah, say he's he should be man. higher than that. <laughs> I, I yeah, I don't know. I think that's a little. Uh, I think that's a little little underrated there. But, uh, you know, ESPN likes to come out with these lists right before football season comes out to give us talking points and yeah, pick them apart. Pick them yeah, apart. But Hugh well, Green. Yeah. Hugh Green, greatest true freshman season of all time. 1977 defensive end from Pitt. Yeah, whatever. All right, <laughs> let's get the Marine South scoreboard. Uh, on Friday, uh, let's do Heard County. We were at the Heard County Bowden game. Oh, man, a what a game. game. Uh, 2020 tie. Both teams got some. Really, really solid quarterbacks. Robert McNeil 
looks like he's in midseason form. He threw an absolute dot uh, right up the center of the field uh, during one of the plays. And then uh, Swafford uh, also had a really good arm and was and was making some really good throws. I'm I'm impressed with both quarterbacks. And Swafford is a sophomore. And from what I understand, he started uh, at Ranburn. He started varsity quarterback at Ranburn his eighth grade and ninth grade years. And that kid looks far beyond his age. Robert McNeil, I, I almost feel bad that we got to see Robert McNeil in the scrimmage because his full talent couldn't be on display because of the rules they had, which I understand the rules. You can't touch the quarterback. You don't want to do that in the scrimmage. I understand that. Um, but a lot of the a lot of the tools and weapons that Robert McNeil has is his scrambling ability. So, you know, that kind of sort of got negated, I guess, Billy. I don't want to say it was taken away, but it was it was odd the way the rules were implied and the way he, he tried to play. But Swafford, man, that kid was electric. I can't wait to see him in two years at a at Heard County. And the Beasley kid for for uh, Bowden, um, sort of a Swiss army knife there, man. That, that's absurd how talented he is. Both really, really good games. Uh, LJ Green had a really solid game for Heard County. I mean, there were... There were really good players on both sides, and I was I was impressed with both teams, honestly. Just their in Israel in the Israel. Um, oh, I don't remember that backup quarterback came in for Heard County as a freshman. Yeah. Uh, Israel Ortiz, maybe he was his name, but he he was he impressed me as well. Yeah, so a lot of lot of impressing young men out there on Friday. We got to see the starters a lot longer than I thought we were going to, so I was a little I was very excited about that. And the only other game we were able to get find a, a score on, uh, Bremen Falls to Rockmart, 38 to nothing. Um, apparently, well, we're not going to bring that up. Anyway, uh, I, I talked with two two Bremen coaches yesterday at a birthday party, and both of them were like, Rockmart may win the state championship. They're that Wow. Um, so they, they at least expect them to be in the Final Four. So... I mean, both of them said that unprompted to me. Rockmart, really? Now, Rockmart hasn't. I'm trying to think back of ju- of just my experience and in, in around high school football and when I was playing high school football. I don't ever remember Rockmart being elite. I remember them running out some good squads every now and then, you know, decent squads. But I don't ever remember them being an elite squad. Is as, is that changing? Uh, well, Rockmart was in the state championship a few years ago against Heard County, if I remember correctly. Um, okay. And then last year, I remember watching Rockmart's. I was on the sidelines for Rockmart versus Villarica, um, and watching that game. So that was that was interesting too. So um, again, we didn't get scores for Central at Spalding, Mount Zion at Temple, or Villarica at Troop. We we heard some scores from Villarica. Villarica's ones were up three nothing over Troop, but that was that was pretty much the extent of what we heard. Uh, softball. Uh, Bremen falls to Carrollton 10 to 2 in the scrimmage, and then Bowden falls to McIntosh 8 to 1, and Troop County 6 to 2. So Bowden uh, softball loses both games in the round robin over the weekend. Uh, in the in the NL East, Nats beat the Phils 13 to 1, and the Marlins beat the Cubs 3 to nothing. Let's get to the stump of the games and events calendar for today. We've got softball on the on the calendar, dude, and he's. I think a couple of them are regular season. Central at East Coweta is a scrimmage at 5.30. Mount Zion at Paulding County at 6 p.m. And then Douglas County at Temple at 
Let's go. Games again. And Billy, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Rock Mart's uh, uh, schedules here, their records the past couple of years. Ever since Biff Parson came in at head coach in 2016, Rock Mart's been pretty good. I mean, 9-3, and 9-3, 14-1, 11-1, 9-2, 9-2. Yeah, so ever since he came in. Year, I think they beat, if I remember correctly, that 14-1 year was the year that they went to the state championship against Heard County. They had beat yep. Heard County earlier in the season, and Heard County came in back and beat them in the state championship. So they beat Heard County 33 to nothing yeah. in the third week of the regular season, yeah. and then Heard County beat them in the state championship 27 to six. Yeah, they. I mean, they beat they beat Callaway 28 to 12, Jefferson County 48 to 13 in that playoff run. So, yeah, it's ever since Biff Parson came in as head coach for uh, for Rockmart, they've really they've really become a powerhouse. I, did, I I was not aware of that. It's pretty cool. All right, let's get to another cup of coffee, Bill. You need one this morning? Yes, absolutely, I do. That makes two of us, dude. Today's uh, another cup of coffee is brought to you by Hannah Strawn with Robert Goolsby Real Estate Group. My mom did meet with Hannah, and it looks like she will be able to sell her house. They hey. she has to fix some flooring and do some paint and stuff, but once that is complete, yeah, I think she's gonna be set and ready to sell that house in, in Douglasville. So, congratulations to her, and thanks to Hannah for helping her out on that. Good job. Let's go. Billy, so luckily the Cleveland Browns really don't have anything else going on extracurricular outside of football that they have to focus on. Kareem Hunt requested uh, a trade this weekend. <laughs> why? I, I don't know, man. Apparently he is not happy with the way he is being utilized in that offense up there in Cleveland. And I believe he's RB2 behind Kareem Hunt. And then the, they they have another running back up there uh, in Cleveland that I can't think of right now who is also – vying for RB2 um, reps. Uh, Dearness Johnson, the new kid they got out of yeah, Miami. Hunt is RB2 behind Nick Chubb. You said... He was, 100%. No, you said Hunt was R, RB2 behind Kareem Hunt. Or, I'm sorry, Hunt is RB2 behind Nick Chubb. Yeah. <laughs> He's RB2 behind a split personality. Uh, <laughs> so, he he did he did request a trade this, this weekend. The Browns did decline it. Uh, we'll see how that saga goes on. But, yeah, just one more thing for the Browns fans to focus on that is not really football-related. Uh, over the weekend, up in Michigan. Yep. Kevin Harvick, our boy, Kevin Harvick. We, and I say our boy because Matt Matt Ridgway, our, our good friend, uh, is actually one of the fabricators for Kevin Harvick's cars. And he ended up being victorious in the cup race at, at Michigan, ending a two-year drought. Which I, I believe Matt Ridgway is the tape guy. I believe he puts the tape on the nose of the cars. I believe that's what he does. <laughs> I think he does a lot from that. <laughs> Matt, Matt will get that. Matt will get that joke. Uh, yeah, Ke- Kevin Harvick wins. A Ford wins up in Michigan. I picked a Ford to win on Track Talk last week. It was the wrong Ford, though. Uh, I picked Ryan Blaney. Honestly, if you listen to Track Talk, I went back and forth between Kevin Harvick and Ryan Blaney. Stuck with Blaney, but Kevin Harvick winning yesterday. As soon as he won. I texted Matt, said, go get your victory ice cream, dude. Uh, and he said, absolutely. Can't wait for the podcast this weekend or this week. It'll be fantastic. So congratulations to Kevin Harvick and the entire Stuart Haas racing family. They are now locked in to the playoffs, which, as we know, is the greatest playoffs in sports history is the NASCAR playoffs. They're fantastic wah, and they're flawless. Wah, wah. <laughs> Uh, Billy, no major decision on the Carolina Panthers quarterbacks between Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold is going to be made before the second preseason game of the year, the coach says. 
Baker Mayfield has to come out winning that position. I know we've talked about it before. You don't trade for a guy not to start him, right? I, I mean, I wouldn't think so. Yes, uh, that would just I be that, that would be shocking. Uh, I think he should be QB one, but that's just my opinion. But and I'm high on Baker Mayfield, probably higher than a lot of people are. I, I like Baker, and I would be shocked if he didn't start for the Panthers this year. Matt Rule is is a different cat, though. Let's be real. I'm not going to argue that. Not going to argue that. Billy, the Cowboys are ranked the best young core in the NFL for players under 25 years old. The Falcons are fourth. So a list that the Falcons aren't dead last on. That's nice to see. Yeah. Well, I mean, considering that the majority of the Falcons roster seems to be under 25, <laughs> it's it really seems lightweight. That way, so. I was going. I was going through the list, and I kind of expected the Falcons to be top five. They have a good young core, man. As long as they can stay together and develop well, I think the Falcons have a bright future with the team they have put in place right now. Yeah, it is what it is. Billy, another list came out this week, and you know I'm a big fan of lists and rankings and all that stuff. Ohio State ranked number one. Yeah. For the most annoying fan base in college football. I would disagree. That's just my opinion. I would, as a Buckeye fan, as a diehard, tried and true Ohio State Buckeye fan, one thousand percent agree. Yeah, I would. I'd I would. Agree. I would one thousand percent agree. We have the biggest alumni base of any college in America. We are everywhere. We have the second largest uh, alumni association in almost every single major city. If we do not have the largest, and we are very loud, obnoxious, and opinionated, opinionated uh, fans. So. I'll I'll one thousand percent endorse that number one ranking. I think an SEC team takes this cake there, but that's just me. Oh, Bama. Mm-hmm. Oh, but they're not they're not around. Like Bama fans are just centralized too much, in my opinion. Like you don't get Bama fans in Montana. You don't get Bama fans in Los Angeles. You don't get Bama fans in Seattle. You don't get Bama fans in New York. They don't have enough money to move away from Alabama. They're all centralized oh. in Alabama. <laughs> And if they move, if they move out of Alabama, how will they find wives? You know, Stop they it. have to stay close to their family. Stop. Oh so, my God, you are you are creating that's you are feeding into that stigma. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and today in 2004, John Elway is inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. John Elway, one of the greatest of all time, to sling the football. I still remember him in the what was it, 98, 99. Super Bowl against we the really Falcons. Talk about the '98 Super Bowl. Let's do this. Well, hey, it was Mr. Elway. It's Mr. Elway. I was yeah. cheer. I was cheering for the Broncos because everybody else was cheering for the Falcons in the house I was at. And as everybody knows, I'm a contrarian and will go against the flow. Everybody else was cheering for the Falcons. I didn't really have a team, so I started cheering for the Broncos. Go Elway. Yeah. Okay. Not that I was an Elway fan or a Broncos fan. I was just a <laughs> a little kid. <laughs> yeah. '98. What? Almost ten. That point. 98 i was nine years old yeah nine years old and i watched maybe two minutes of this game so. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't a wasn't a big uh wasn't a big uh, nfl guy back then big college guy not a big nfl guy bill you got anything else to add today man no i'm good dude I, I'm awesome let's get out of here weekend. and yeah looking forward to next weekend because uh, we will be back on the road next weekend as well where are we going next weekend uh, we'll have, you'll have to wait till Friday to find out. Oh, a little tease. I like that. A little tease. Yeah. I like that. All right, let's get out of here on a Monday. We will see y'all tomorrow. Same time, same place. Shake your neighbor. Just shake them.